Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen of men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men that they are fasting. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Amen. Thank you, David. Good morning again. Uh, just uh, the other day there was a meeting between the general manager of Nescafe, uh, the executive director or whatever it was, and uh, he'd organised a meeting with the Pope uh, in Rome. And uh, he, uh, as he approached the Pope, you know, he said, Your, Your Holiness, um, Nescafe would like to donate 100 million euros to the Vatican. All we ask is that you just make a slight modification to the Lord's Prayer. So, when it comes to the part where you say, give us today our daily bread, um, we're just asking that you just change that a little and give us today our daily coffee. And the the Pope is just outraged, indignant. No, you know, that is the word of our Lord. You do not distort the word of our Lord. And that... director of Nescafe came back and he said, well, 
would 300 million euros uh, make any difference? We're only talking about a slight modification and after all, coffee has probably become a more staple item than bread these days. So it's really the same meaning. And the Pope said, never. And so then the uh, general manager said, look, my final offer, right? And don't, don't answer, I want you to consider this offer. 500 million euros if you just make this slight change to the Lord's Prayer. And off he went. And the next day the Pope gathered his cardinals together for their meeting and he said, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is that uh, 500 million euros has been donated to the Vatican. Isn't that you know, fantastic? The bad news is it looks like we've lost the tip-top account. <laughs> now, um, now, that is just a joke, I'm, I'm told. Didn't really happen. Um, but this morning... People explaining the joke to each other there. Um, this morning, we come to think about prayer. <laughs> Did anyone want any more time? Now, this morning, we come to think about prayer and the Lord's Prayer is a great place to start. Um, Jesus, when Jesus' disciples asked, you know, teach us to pray, he taught them the Lord's Prayer. So, um, that's what we're going to look at. How about I lead us in prayer as we come to think about it together. Uh, God our Father, uh, thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. And Father, we know that prayer is not just about uh, something that uh, we have on our intellect. Uh, It's not just about our brains, but it's also about our heart. And so Father, we pray that by your Spirit, You'll transform the way we think about you and about prayer, but also that you'll soften our hearts so that we will long to come and call on your name. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, if you've been with us for the last four weeks or so, we've been uh, working our way through a bit of a series on prayer. And this morning we come to the third in the series, How to Pray. Next week... Um, is our final in the series and then we move into the book of Revelation from February through to Easter. Um, Now, I've noticed that there's a truckload of books out there that you can buy on the topic how to pray. Let me show you some of them. How to pray, praying with power, how to pray effectively and hear clearly from God, how to pray for the release of the Holy Spirit, keep going, what else have we got? How to pray for healing, how to pray for lost loved ones, how to pray for your children, but here's my favourite. Can we have a look at the How to pray after you've kicked the dog. <laughs> now, it's, it's, there's books that'll cover every circumstance, uh, right down to how to pray after you've kicked the dog. Now, I was so fascinated in this book title that I did a Google search to try to find the image. Let me show you my Google search. How to pray after you've kicked the dog. And Google suggested, did you mean how to pray after you've killed the dog? Now, how many people have entered that you know, entry in? How do I pray after I've killed the dog? But, um, now, there is no book on the topic, I'm afraid to say. So, what I've got to say is, just as a pastoral moment, is if that is an issue for you, come and talk to me afterwards and we'll see whether we can 
come up with a way forward. <laughs> Haven't done it, so no, no personal experience. Now, with all these books and with all this advice, you can get the feeling that there is some sort of special technique that we've got to get hold of to rejuvenate our prayer lives. There's some, there's some method or key that will unlock God's power in prayer. But I reckon that's very misleading. See, prayer, as we read about in the Bible, is simple and personal. Simple and personal. It's simple because we've been given direct access to God. Back in the Old Testament, it was complicated, you know, where you had to offer your sacrifices for your cleansing of your sin and for the people and where you'd go to the temple and there was these barriers, you know, that you'd have to, uh, you know, only certain people were allowed past these barriers towards the presence of God. There was cleansing, all that sort of stuff. And a lot of religions still have complicated rituals that are involved in getting you to a point where you're ready to pray. But Christian prayer is very simple because Jesus has given us complete access through his death on the cross. And it's also personal because we don't just pray to some unseen force up there in the sky. We pray to our Father, our Father in heaven who loves us and cares for us and longs to hear our prayers to him. It's not about technique, it's about relationship. And so, as I said before, Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, how should we pray? Our Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer at that point. Now, we're going to pick it up from um, Matthew's Gospel because the Lord's Prayer in Matthew comes within Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, And the Sermon on the Mount really is a contrast between the religion of the Pharisees, the religion of people in Jesus' day, and what Jesus was putting forward as true religion, true worship of God. Um, And so Jesus contrasts the religion of the Pharisees in terms of fasting, in terms of giving money to the poor, and in terms of prayer. Those three areas. Now, we're just going to pick up on the one area, and that is um, Jesus contrasting the religious way to pray and the Christian way to pray. And he picks up on the motivation there in verse 5. He says, so have your Bibles open at Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. See, Jesus is talking about people who are churchgoers. They're there Sunday by Sunday, They're at church, they're singing the songs with gusto, they'll come and lead in prayer and it will be profound. Uh, And people will look at them and say, wow, they really have got a connection with God that that I don't really feel like I have. It's impressive. But what Jesus is saying is that it's, it's, it's all outward show. Their motivation is tragically wrong. Uh, They do it not to be heard by their Father in heaven, but to be seen by others so that they can win the praise of other people. And I reckon the words of Jesus are very telling. He says, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. 
See, if what they're looking for is the praises of men, then they've got it. They've, they've received their praises from men, but they're not going to get any reward from God. God will not listen to prayers that are more directed towards others than they are towards God himself. Um, Isaiah chapter 1, God talks about that same thing 700 years before Jesus came. He said, um, it's there in your outlines, he said, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. And it's because they've become a real hypocrisy in the way that they're relating to God. They do all the religious stuff, but their hearts were far from God. And Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. And so look at what he says in verse 6. He says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. And that's the theme that goes through this whole chapter 6 of Matthew, that secrecy safeguards sincerity. Um, You do something privately, in the privacy of your own room, then it actually safeguards your sincerity because the only one that sees you is God. You do it outside of the gaze of others and it becomes something between you and God. Now, this doesn't mean that it's wrong to pray in public, right? It was terrific that uh, Kim came up and led us in prayer and throughout the Bible, God's people do get together and pray together and it's really important, healthy part of being a member of God's family. So, Jesus is not having a go at public prayer and it's important that we do it in our Bible study groups and I reckon it's really good when amongst God's people we're praying for one another and with one another a lot. But what Jesus is saying is we need to keep our motives pure and we need to be careful not to become people who love praying in front of God's people uh, and yet we don't, ha- we don't nurture a personal prayer life uh, with God ourselves. Uh, and I think Jesus is saying our, what we do in public ought to be an overflow of what goes on in the privacy of our own bedroom uh, between us and God. Um, now, I want to say also, if you're one of those people who feels awkward praying out loud, you know, you might be part of a Bible study group and you sort of think, oh, I feel embarrassed praying because my prayers just aren't as good as other people's prayers. I want to put I want to set you at ease because it's not ultimately what other people think about your prayer that matters. It's actually it's God that matters and your and your prayer is meaningful to God if it's prayed from the heart. You know, I remember we used to have at our church at Gladesville, um, we used to have this open prayer time quite regularly where we just say, come on up to the microphone and lead us in prayer for something you know, that's going on. And we'd have this one fellow who would, would come up to the microphone and he would just pray these simple, simple um, sort of, uh, he'd struggle to find the words in this short little prayer and he'd just begin, Heavenly Father. And they are such beautiful prayers, not, not because they were eloquent or because they were well-spoken, but because you knew he was praying from the heart and as a result we were all encouraged because his, his sincerity I think was transparent. Um, there, there you have Jesus addressing our motivation to pray 
And that is our motivation is not like the religious hypocrites who do it as a show to show off. Right? It's actually it's, it's a direct engagement with God our Father. But Jesus also exposes a false manner of prayer and he doesn't do it by reference to the Pharisees. He does it by reference to people from other religions. Have a look at verse 7. He says, When you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Jesus is saying in other religions there is a misunderstanding about prayer and they feel like they just need to keep on babbling and saying lots of stuff to get through. Now you see it beautifully illustrated in Elijah's showdown with the prophets of Baal right? in, um, in 1 Kings 18. Um, there you have Elijah and he offers up just this beautiful, simple prayer to God and there you have Elijah, one man, and all the prophets of Baal and they're just getting hyped up into a frenzy and they're shouting out, they're dancing around, they've even got swords and they've started cutting themselves with swords as if they need to prove to the gods just how sincere they are in their prayers. It's like they're trying to get their god's attention and then they might somehow impress him by their, their, um, their zeal for prayer. And Jesus is saying, look, that is not Christian prayer. That's pagan prayer. And you see something of it, uh, you know, you walk down George Street, you know, down near the cinemas, uh, and you might see the Hare Krishnas coming along. And, and they have got a completely different way of praying to what we have. So when they pray, they, they, they just say the same word over and over again. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. And I don't even know how it goes, but it just, it's just on and on. Incredibly monotonous. Um, but I reckon we Christians take for granted prayer. And we look at other religions and we think, oh, they're prayerful. But what they mean by being prayerful is completely different. It's not simple, it's not personal. So you know when Muslims pray, they pray five times a day, incredibly devout, um, incredibly disciplined, but a Muslim has to make sure that they're ceremonially clean before they can come before God in prayer and they have to adopt the right technique. There's actually some, a, a bit of a ritual that they've got to go through. Uh, they've got to do it in facing the right direction at certain times of the day. And then when they pray, they recite passages from the Quran that most Muslims don't even understand the words that they're praying because they're in Arabic and most of them don't understand Arabic. And so what it boils down to is a prayer that's not being prayed from the heart or even from the mind. It's just become a ritual that you go through as part of your religion and um, almost every religion on the planet, when you talk about prayer, that is something of what prayer is. Something that you need to have the right technique, where you need to be ceremonially clean and where you just recite a certain set prayer. And Jesus is saying, no, don't let your prayers be like that. Right? Your, our prayers as Christians can be simple uh, and personal. Look at that, verse 8. Jesus says, Don't be like them, 
For your father knows what you need even before you ask him. So you don't need to say it a hundred times to get through to God. He, he is, he's our father. We just need to say it once and ask him. Lay our requests before him. We don't need to pray for hours on end to be heard. It's not like um, showing your zeal will somehow break through or will twist God's arm. He loves to hear the prayers of his people, of his little children. So we just come and ask, simple and personal. And so, um, so in contrast to the hypocrites and in contrast to people of other religions, Jesus says, this is how you are to pray. Verse 9, and he goes on, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, and so on. Now, I reckon one of the, one of the tragic ironies of Christianity is that we have taken this beautiful, simple prayer of Jesus and we have turned it into something that was totally unlike what Jesus wanted. So sometimes the Lord's Prayer can just become a mechanical thing that we reel off without any thought or heart engagement between us and God. It's just, it becomes meaningless words that are rattled through our head. Now, you see it in Parliament. I'm really glad that in Australia, in Parliament, every day they pray the Lord's Prayer. I think it's terrific to be part of a nation that's got a Christian heritage. But there's a danger with it as well, isn't it? Is that we don't want politicians to be standing up and being hypocrites. If they don't believe it, we don't really want them saying the prayer out loud. Now, they can just stand there and be respectful towards the Christians who are praying it because that's not how Christianity is going to advance, by making people just mouth words that they don't believe. Or you see it even in some church traditions where if you go, you go and confess your sins to the minister and then he says, oh, well, as punishment, as penance, you need to you pray three Hail Marys and three Our Fathers. Um, and Our Father is a way of talking about the Lord's Prayer. Now, we're never told to pray to Mary in the whole of the Bible um, and we're never in, Jesus never encouraged us to mechanically recite the Lord's Prayer as if just the words themselves had some sort of power. It's actually... It's, it's an expression of relationship, not a mechanical recitation that Jesus was after. So let me um, just spend some time working through the prayer with you. Have a look at how you approach God. We have, prayer begins, our Father in heaven. Um, now, it is okay to pray to Jesus and there's a few prayers in the Bible where people pray directly to Jesus, but the pattern in the Bible almost always is to the Father, to God the Father through the work of Jesus the Son. And, so, and um, we call on God our Father, our Dad, because of the wonderful work of Jesus on the cross on our behalf. Next come three requests concerning God. We ask God three things about himself. Firstly, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, the three, the three requests to start with are about God. That is, we want to align ourselves with God and his purposes and his will. So, hallowed be your name. 
We want God's name to be honoured. We want people to recognise that God is the true God and bow down and worship him. We want God's kingdom to come. And that will happen now as people bow the knee before Jesus, they hear the good news of Jesus and they say, yes, Jesus is the king. But it will also happen when Jesus returns and there's an ultimate sense that God's kingdom will come as righteousness and justice will reign forever. And thirdly, we pray that God's will will be done. And I take it we want God's will to be done in our lives as we obey him, as we trust him, as we seek to align our lives with his purposes. But we also want God's will to be done everywhere and in every place. Um, That's part of why we preach the good news of Jesus and that's what we long will happen when we get to heaven when everyone, when, when justice and righteousness and truth will abound, when everyone will live life to the praise of God. Next in the Lord's Prayer come three requests that have to do with us. And the first is, um, give us today our daily bread. Uh, see, it's a recognition that we're dependent on our Father for our basic needs. So you might go along and you might look in the kitchen and you think, I've got plenty in the cupboard, I've got plenty of stuff in the fridge. Um, It's still a good thing to pray for your daily bread because it's a reminder that all I have is from God and I depend on him for everything, for food, for clothing, for shelter, for everything. It's all a beautiful gift of God. Give us today our daily bread is a great reminder that it's all from God. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's a recognition that our greatest need before God is forgiveness of sins, that our sins are cleansed. So yes, we do need to be cleansed to come into God's presence, but that cleansing happens through Jesus and trusting him. And isn't it interesting, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And verse 14 expands on this. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, Jesus is not saying that we earn forgiveness by forgiving others. He's not saying it works that way. What he is saying is that God's forgiveness of us ought to overflow in our forgiveness of others. And if it doesn't, then then there's a problem. Have we really understood God's forgiveness? Come over to Matthew 18, verse 21. I'll just run with this just a little longer. Matthew 18, verse 21 Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? See, Peter's thinking, I'm willing to forgive even seven times. Um, That's pretty big of me. And Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. I take it Jesus is saying, just forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. Keep on forgiving. And then Jesus tells a story right? and it's about a man who owed, let's say it's a million dollars to the king. Right? It's a heavy debt. He was in big trouble. 
And then that man went, he, he begged the king and the king let him off, cleared the debt completely so that he's now free of debt. And you think a million dollars debt, just clean like that, that is incredible. And then what does he do? This guy who's been cleared a million dollars debt then goes out and finds someone who owes him a few dollars. And he says, come on, Phil, give me those three dollars. You know, starts strangling him for the three dollars. Now, when the king finds out, the king is outraged because the king's thinking, I've, I've cleared him a million dollars debt and now he's trying to hassle Phil for three dollars. Doesn't he understand the magnitude of debt that I've cleared? And so what the king does is he grabs that guy, locks him up in jail, tortures him. Now, it's all about understanding the magnitude of forgiveness that we have received from God. And I reckon God, God doesn't want us to wallow in our sin, but he does want us to realise just how great the forgiveness that we have through Jesus is. That it's, 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 it's unimaginable. And lots of us spend our lives still living with a residual guilt because it's just so hard to believe that God has dealt with the whole thing, that he's wiped our slate clean. But that's the, that's the wonder of the gospel is that it's all been forgiven. Even if, even if there's things that have been so repressed in my mind that I've pushed them right to the bat, God has forgiven them. Nothing to answer for those things. Um, even if there's things that I've, I've just neglected to bring before God, God's forgiven them. All of it, it's just this mountain of it. And then God's saying, if, if I've forgiven you this mountain of sin, then surely this, these, this stuff that your brother has done against you, you can forgive that as well. Right? Yes, it, is, it can be hurtful. It can cause damage in relationships. But God is saying, as an overflow of my forgiveness of you, you also ought to forgive others. And when we have an unforgiving heart, then we make a mockery of God's massive forgiveness towards us. Now, the final request there is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we saw this a couple of weeks ago, that we live in a world where we have an enemy, Satan. You don't see him, but he is real and dangerous and we are way too weak to stand up against him on our own. And what does he want to do? He wants to undermine our relationship with God. He wants us to feel unworthy. He wants us to stop trusting God. He wants us to to run life our own way and he will do whatever he can to bring us down. And so we pray, God, keep me safe in in the face of Satan's challenges in the face of Satan's temptation. I am weak, but he is strong. God is strong. See, the Lord's Prayer is not complicated. It's simple and it ought to be prayed as an expression of real relationship with God that we have through Jesus. I think there is value in learning it off by heart. I think it's good that we teach it to our children. And even praying it by heart as we just did a few minutes ago where we we prayed it out loud together but I think we just need to make sure that we, we, we mean the words as we pray them as we try to keep reflecting on what is it we're saying 
The danger of reciting any prayer is that it becomes mechanical rather than real. Um, I reckon a great way to use the Lord's Prayer is by praying a sentence and then filling out what you mean in your mind um, to God. So using it as a way of structuring your prayers. And I'll lead us in a prayer along those sort of lines in a little while. Um, Here's a few questions for you to consider as we finish up. Um, The first one, what is my motivation in prayer? Do I take time to pray on my own? Secondly, what is my manner of prayer? Do I pray simple requests to my Father in heaven? And just take a little while to pray on your own right now uh, about these things to God. So I'll leave you a little while and then I'll lead us in prayer in a minute or so. but I'll let us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to call on your name, to think that you are the creator, uh, that you are all powerful and yet you have adopted us into your family through Jesus. Thank you that we don't have to uh, have some special technique that we don't have to try to twist your arm because you are a loving Father and you love to hear our requests. Our Father, we pray, hallowed be your name. We pray that through our lives, through our church family, that you will be honoured, that um, people will see us and recognise that you have made changes in our lives and that it will be for your praise and glory. Our Father, we pray that your kingdom will come. We pray that many people will continue to come into your kingdom as a result of Good News Week and Christmas as we head into Simply Christianity. We long for many, many people throughout our region to come into your kingdom and throughout the world And we long for that day when Jesus will return and usher in the new creation and when your kingdom will finally come. We pray that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that for our own lives that we will be trusting and obedient children. We pray that for our society 
that uh, our leaders will lead in justice and truth and we pray that you'll bring them a humility before you and even a trust and a fear of you. Please give us today our daily bread. We think, thank you that everything we have is a gift from you and we pray for the things that we've got on today. We pray for those who are travelling. Uh, please keep us safe. Uh, we pray for refreshment during this uh, period of holidays. We pray for our kids as they prepare to go back to school. Uh, we want to pray that you'll just keep on equipping us uh, and providing for us day by day. Please forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Father, your forgiveness is overwhelming when we take time to consider it. And we pray that you'll help us to believe it, to believe your promise that it has all been wiped clean. And we pray that you'll transform us so that we are forgiving of others as well. We pray that we will leave justice ultimately in your hands. Father, we pray that you'll lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, even our prayer life can be an issue of temptation. We can be tempted uh, to do what we do for the praise of men. Father, we know that this is particularly a danger and a temptation for me, for other leaders in our church. Please protect us from hypocrisy. Protect us from the evil one. And Father, whatever temptations that we face, please keep us on our guard and protect us. Uh, keep us as your obedient, loving, trusting children. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Some fantastic things this morning, haven't we, about that free and open access we have to our Heavenly Father. And we've also heard some wonderful things about forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. And we know as, uh, as believers that all of that uh, has only been possible because of the Lord Jesus' death. And what we're going to do now is uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We're going to remember... Uh, what it cost God to win that forgiveness for us, what it cost God to open up the doorway so we might have free and open access to our Heavenly Father. So it's a time for us to reflect. Uh, it's a time of serious reflection as we think about what the Lord Jesus has done in his death, in his suffering on the cross and his resurrection. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So remember that Jesus took the penalty of our sin. So let's, uh, let's pray uh, before uh, the elements are handed out. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning particularly on this morning as we've been reflecting on this wonderful thing that you've created for us, open and free access to you. 
an abundance of forgiveness, all of our sins forgiven. Father, we know that we're unworthy uh, to be your children, but help us to continue to trust in you and your great mercy in your Son. Help us to rejoice, to be joyful that we are your children. We have new life with you. Lord, help us even now as we, we take the elements to ponder the great thing that you've done for us, to find in Jesus peace and healing and forgiveness. Father, we ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. So the service is going to come around, um, an opportunity for us to quietly reflect and uh, please, if, if you don't feel comfortable taking the Lord's Supper this morning, uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, please allow the, the elements to pass, pass you by. We're also going to sing um, Rock of Ages as we, um, as we reflect. So let's do that. Just stay seated as we sing. <laughs> 